0: Friends and welcome to the Almost Enlightened Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Morin. I'm thrilled to be here with you, and I'm thrilled to present today's episode, which is called Meditation. Ready to go? I guess for as long as I can remember, meditation is something that I've believed in. It's probably because my mom had been doing it my entire life. I don't know that she ever told me why meditation worked for her, but it always stuck with me that it was something important. Now, regrettably, I never followed suit. Yeah, I may have tried it once or twice, but it never stuck. But it does occur to me after all these years that the focus I brought to things like hockey, skiing, music, and academics were very similar in discipline. You see, meditation is the practice of shutting off thought, but it doesn't always have to be. For some people, meditation is the ability to focus awareness. For other people, it's a means of achieving clarity. Meditation is what you want it to be. It's very unique to the person who's doing it. To me, meditation is being in the zone, however you want to define that zone. And being lucky enough to pursue a variety of passions early in life, I got a taste and a thirst for being in the zone when I was a kid. See, my earliest love was hockey. I would spend hours in the basement firing pucks at a net. When my little brother was old enough, I'd stick him in the net and keep on practicing. I stopped at nothing to get better, taking hockey lessons, joining a league, collecting hockey cards, proudly wearing my team hockey jacket, and just envisioning the day in which I'd play in the National Hockey League. I went from the worst guy on the team to the best guy in no time. I was consumed. When I played hockey or practiced it, I was in that zone. I didn't think about food, school, clothes, or anything other than hockey. I was in the moment. Today, when I ask people if they meditate, I always get a variety of interesting answers. One of the more common answers I get is when someone tells me, well, hiking and mountain biking, that's my meditation. And I totally get that. It's similar to how I felt as a young hockey player. What these people are telling me is that hiking or mountain biking is transcendental. In other words, the activity takes on a more spiritual, supernatural, or abstract meaning. And I think you know what I mean, right? Picture this. You're hiking through a forest, and you're truly in the moment. Your level of awareness is on overdrive. You don't just see the leaves on the trees— you smell them, you feel them, you really become one with them. Everything else melts away except where you focus your attention. It is a magnificent experience and it's something that the best of the best get to experience on a daily basis. If you're the best in the world at your craft, be it sports, arts, science, business, parenting, or anything really, you're one of the few people on the planet that get to experience pure being. I'm struggling to find the right word, but being is going to work. You see, when you're great at something, the mechanics of what you're doing become natural. In other words, you don't have to think in order to do Now, I'm a huge Wayne Gretzky fan, the living hockey legend, and I remember reading his autobiography in which he said something about time slowing down for him when he had the puck. Similar to meditation, the constructs of time and space just seemed to vanish when Gretzky was playing hockey. Those things, time and space, would just open up for Gretzky, allowing him to truly see the ice with clarity. Although he may in reality have only had half a second to make a decision, the time and space he'd open up allowed him to freeze the moment and pick exactly what he wanted to do in order to make the best move. That, my friends, is greatness. That's pure being, or as close as you can get to a perfect meditation. Have you ever seen people practicing Tai Chi in the park? Occasionally, I'll be on a walk and I'll see a group of people practicing what looks like, to me, a mix between martial arts and some form of dance, perhaps a meditation, and it always reminds me of the the swaying rhythm of flowers in the wind. It's really quite mesmerizing. What I've learned since is that Tai Chi is indeed a martial art, but that it's nearly indistinguishable from meditation in the sense that it truly represents the harmony between mind and body. So, wouldn't it be beautiful if everyone made the opportunity to enjoy something that provides that type of harmony? I truly feel a sense of sorrow for people that don't have a passion in their lives. I feel even worse for people that do have a passion, but they repress it. And I'll tell you something, I am certainly guilty of doing exactly that. Music and skiing are two great examples of passions that I've repressed because I mistakenly bought into the idea that as we grow up, There's some kind of logical progression that sees us begin to abandon our childhood passions and replace them with adult responsibilities like work and raising kids. As if passions and responsibilities are mutually exclusive. What a complete load of garbage. Now that I know better, I realize I had it all wrong. Okay, I also realize I probably could have shifted my perception and turned my responsibilities into passions, but we'll leave that for another day. So giving up skiing and music are two massive regrets that at the time probably hurt my well-being. When it comes to music, I now realize that by trading music for a job, I closed a creative outlet. I closed a connection to something greater than myself. Because when I did music, I was outside of myself. Inspiration, mechanics, joy, rhythm, and vibration were all one. I was those things, and those things were me. The similarity between my meditations today and the feeling I'd get when I played music are uncanny. In fact, thinking back on it, the sense of healing I get from a meditation these days reminds me just how strong and healthy my body was when I was skiing and playing music as often as I could. Now, there's definitely a relationship between meditation and health. But without turning this podcast episode into an episode on healing, I'm going to encourage you to check out guys like Dr. Joe Dispenza or Dr. Deepak Chopra if you want to further examine the relationship between meditation and healing. But what I can tell you from my experience is that today, I use meditation as a form of healing all the time. When my energy level's low or even to ward off an illness that's in my household, I'll meditate and I'll focus my energy on repairing what needs to be mended. And it seems to me that there's a whole lot of people catching on to this notion, including progressive companies. I applaud companies that give out gym memberships, have company sports teams, encourage group yoga, meditation, or just endorse fun. These companies... Contrary to what I used to think, recognize that giving their employees a creative outlet or a sanctuary for the mind cultivates creative faculties, friendships, teamwork, and a healthy body. You see, I used to think that having a ping pong table at the office was merely a ploy to get employees to stay at your company. And as it turns out, yes, it does just that, but it also has a host of other benefits, It's been documented by so many reputable sources that the benefits of allowing employees to work out or meditate on the job include the ability to make enhanced social connections, to relieve stress, to improve heart health, provide more energy, help with weight management, stimulate productivity, help with disease prevention, and improve your immune system. Holy crap, right? So what are you waiting for? What are we all waiting for? Alright, it's time to get into the meat of this episode. I'm going to share my personal experience with meditation and tell you just how instrumental it's been in transforming my life. I'm hoping it'll provide a case study that might possibly help you. So it wasn't until this year that somebody kicked me in the right direction. And I'm going to thank Charlie for that. Although my mom and my wife were huge proponents of meditation, the age-old adage about kids never listening to their parents or their wives, was true for me. But in the end, I could probably argue that I just wasn't ready. So to begin with, my buddy gave me a mantra. It's a Sanskrit word that doesn't mean anything to me, nor is it supposed to. He told me that the word shouldn't even be looked up. It's a word that's designed to create a frequency when said over and over again. It works as a tool to bring my focus back to nothingness when my mind starts to wander. And it actually works. At first, meditation was difficult. I'm used to getting quick results when I apply my mind to something, and given that this is purely an exercise of the mind, or so I thought, it had to be easy. Right? Well, no, not exactly. That's not how it felt. (laughs) Now, I should probably point out that one of the reasons I was ready for meditation at that point in my life was because I was extremely stressed. I worked all hours of the day and night. I was irritable at home, never in the moment, and I was missing out on life. I got to a point where I knew I needed to do something. I just didn't know what. And meditation came along at the right time and provided me an option. After two sessions, I didn't feel less stressed, and it wasn't improving my life. (laughs) Talk about impatience, hey? But I had a suspicion that I wasn't doing it correctly i had been told that when meditating, you want to cut off all thought. So as much as I tried, I couldn't even do that for five seconds at a time. Man, I sucked. But I was looking for answers. And meanwhile, at work, the will and the determination I was bringing to the job just weren't getting me where I wanted or needed to be. And I suppose there was a suspicion. You might even call it an intuition that meditation might possibly be the key. So I stuck with it. Sometimes I missed a few days in a row. Sometimes I strung together three days in a row. But in order to progress at anything in life, I know you've got to set goals. So I began to try and stretch five seconds of nothingness into six seconds, and possibly even seven seconds. But the mistake I was making is that focusing on time is not an optimal way to eliminate all thought. In fact, focus is thought. So I had no other choice but to let go. I had to submit. And for the first time in a very long time, I stopped trying to control an outcome. Wow. What a lesson what a lesson in humility. As I'd later discover, nothing is important. Regrettably and admittedly, that includes this podcast. But I quickly realized, or I became aware, that time is an illusion. It doesn't exist. In allowing no thought to come to me instead of searching for it, I further realized that peace and clarity had always been within. I had just buried them. I continued meditating, but with consistency. And this is when everything in my life began to change. This is not an autobiography, so I'm not going to go into the details of exactly how my life changed. But suffice to say that I began attracting people, situations, and energies that I needed. I fervently believe that meditation saved my life, period. Stress began to melt away. Old injuries started to heal. I gained a sense of clarity, and I found the courage to discover and pursue my heart. Coincidence? Not a chance. Today, meditation is as much a part of my life as breathing is. I mean, just yesterday, I was in a low-energy zone, And I took 30 minutes to have a meditation. When I emerged from that meditation, my mind was clear, the fear I was clinging on to abated, and I launched into a new podcast episode with enthusiasm, energy, and imagination. The funny thing is, is that these days, I'll actually meditate anywhere at any time. And as I create this very episode, I had to stop halfway through its creation earlier this morning to pick up my son from his co op position. While I waited in my car for him, I took three minutes to meditate. It felt amazing. It always does. Whether it's three minutes or whether it's 30 minutes. So you're probably wondering about the mechanics, right? How do you do it? When do you do it? How do you sit? Do you listen to music? Is there a particular time in the day that works best? You may have even tried it before without much success, and you're wondering what you were doing wrong. How do you overcome a mental block? Look, I'm here to say, don't worry and don't stress. Let it come to you. If you have no desire to meditate, then don't. If you feel connected when you're riding your bike, then that's awesome, and I feel ya. But if you want to give it a try, or you want to give it another try, these are my 5 simple suggestions. Number 1: Only ever do what feels right in your heart. If it feels right, it's good. Number 2: Accept that you've always known how to meditate. Sounds funny, right? Meditation is just a state of mind. Your mind goes into meditation states at least twice a day. Once when you go to sleep, once when you wake up. Our conclusion you've been meditating your whole life. You just never knew it. And this time, you're going to stay awake. Easy, right? Number three, relax. Sounds easy, but it's challenging for many people. If you have to visualize your entire body from your head to your toes going into a relaxation mode, then do that. Number four, let it happen. And this is totally different From making it happen. That's what I used to do in business. Relax, let it come to you. And number five, know that every day, in every way, your meditations are getting better. Before you know it, you'll be a master. For me, I just sit on my comfy couch underneath my favorite window in the house and I close my eyes. My bare feet touch the hardwood planks and I feel connected. I focus on my breathing, and I used to say my mantra over and over again. These days, I don't really need the mantra anymore. And then I let go. Sometimes the solutions to challenges hit me during my meditation. Oftentimes, I bask in nothingness. Sometimes, I do a little visualization of my life, the way I want it to unfold. I used to get so frustrated when my mind would wander, but I've since learned to let that go too, and to simply bring my mind back to nothingness. Something, nothing, something, nothing, thought, no thought, thought, no thought, thought, no thought. These are just patterns. They're just waves. It's just energy, and I connect with that energy. I'm told that there are infinite ways to meditate. I've heard of mantra-based, guided, breathing, and so many others. But my guess is that they all work well. Prayer is even a form of meditation, which is awesome. But regardless of what kind of meditation you use, I think that our intent or intention is another key to a successful meditation. If you go into meditation with an intent, you're likely to get the most out of your meditation. Here's an example. If I have a sore shoulder, I might repeat the following sentence five times before my meditation. My healthy shoulder is connected to a healthy body that knows how to heal itself. My healthy shoulder is connected to a healthy body that knows how to heal itself. My healthy shoulder is connected to a healthy body that knows how to heal itself. I'll say it five times. Now, you might choose to focus on your relationship, your wealth, your environment, or maybe even your career. But whatever you choose, make your intention in the present tense. Believe it to be true. And then, let it go and start your meditation. Don't even give it another thought. The power of your intention is greater than a crowd of people working on your intention. Know that. Believe that. And so shall it be. Okay, reality check time. Has meditation eliminated sadness, anger, and fear from my life? A no. But the noise volume of those emotions is so low these days, it's incredible. I've learned that I can harness the power of thought just as I do no thought during a meditation and be able to eliminate or reject an unwanted emotional response. And sometimes I actually entertain suffering. It sounds crazy, but what I mean is that just as there's energy in happiness, there's energy in sadness. When you appreciate and are grateful for your sadness, you'll find that its power is extremely potent. Again, you may think I am nuts, but a recent family tragedy provided exactly the kind of energy that was necessary for me to take a massive step in my life. I'm grateful for the experience, even though it caused our family a great deal of suffering. As you journey through meditation, you will absolutely become more skilled at the practice. Just like a professional athlete or an extremely skilled surgeon, you will be rewarded for your dedication. A pro athlete can make millions of dollars and have legions of fans around the world in exchange for his or her dedication to the sport. The surgeon will make a great deal of money, but will also receive a feeling of fulfillment in exchange for improving the lives of his or her patients. Among a host of other things, your reward for becoming skilled at meditation will be the fulfillment of the intention that you set prior to your meditation. That's a fascinating revelation. You might want to think about that for a moment. I would even stop here and listen to that part again, because what I'm telling you will change your life. Becoming adept at meditation has changed my life for the better. I'm far more present than I've ever been, and I'm enjoying life in the moment. The acquired skill of being able to turn off thought and to give complete focus to one thing has allowed me to have conversations with my wife, my kids, and my friends that I couldn't have dreamed possible even a year ago. I can only imagine the things I missed over the past 20 years by not being present. My memory's better. My imagination has never been more lively, my intuition speaks to me, and I'm able to command my perception in ways that help me navigate any situation. Everything is exciting and everything is interesting to me these days. I see wonder and opportunity everywhere I look. Give it a try. What have you got to lose? Well, ironically, a lot! fear, confusion, anxiety, and ill health. These are just a few of the things you might lose. But think of what you might stand to gain. Clarity, inner peace, health, and joy. I think I'm going to go meditate right now. My intention will be that anyone who listens to this podcast will be blessed with enthusiasm and energy. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have an awesome day or night and I appreciate you.